What is it that energizes you get more energy when you're doing something you really love? What is it that you're disciplined on? What are you that you're really organized in? What is it you think about, visualize, and talk to yourself about, about how you would love your life to be that shows evidence of coming true? Uh, what is it that you are inspired by that brings tears to your eyes? If you look at that, it'll tell you and smack you in the eyes, uh, in the face about what exactly is important to you and watch how you will achieve and your confidence to go up and your self-worth will go up and your, your ability to expand will go up. Don't waste your time on low priority things. That self-defeats, depreciates, makes you think that there's something wrong with you, makes you think you're sabotaging, makes you think you got limited beliefs. All that is is just feedback to let you know you're not pursuing what's really important. Hello and Welcome to Passion Harvest. I am Louisa, your host. Thank you so much for joining me wherever you are in the world right now. I'm so excited about our guest today, Dr. John Martini. How to become a master of your own life and destiny. Dr. John Martini is a world-renowned human behavior expert. His education curriculum ranges from personal growth seminars to corporate empowerment programs. Dr. Martini is an internationally published author, a global educator, and the founder of The Martini Method, a revolutionary tool in modern psychology. His latest book is The Seven Secrets. This is his story, and this is his passion. Dr. John Martini. so excited to have you on the show today. Welcome to Passion Harvest. Well, thank you for having me. I'm uh, inspired to be here. Oh my gosh, I, I I love everything that you do. I think you're such an incredible change maker in the world. But I'd like to start with how can we empower, big question, how can we empower and transform our lives? <laughs> well, I think the, the wisest thing to do for any human being is to define what it is that they want to change their life in. What exactly is it? You know, it's, it's easy to say, I'd like to change my life, but then what? What specifically is it you want to accomplish or do differently? And then realize that you're going to make decisions according to what you value most. And if you, because you have a hierarchy of values, if you set a goal to do something that's not really congruent with what you value most, you'll probably procrastinate, hesitate, frustrate pursuing it. So make sure that what you say you want to do really matches what's intrinsically, you know, calling you to act on. So you're not having to be micromanaged and pushed uphill and keep incentivizing yourself to try to keep doing it. Stick to the things that are really meaningful to you and start with what you know and let what you know grow and define what it is. And so you can put a strategy together to take the actions to do it. If you ask, what are the highest priority actions I can do today to make me one step closer to the, the objective I have? Every day you do that, you're one step closer. So you just keep making incremental steps towards that. You build momentum and then you eventually achieve, achieve what that thing is that you want that's different. But be clear about it. Make sure it's really congruent. If I said that I want to be a, open up a, a, a cupcake manufacturing delivery service when I don't cook and I don't drive, it's not likely to be something I'd be incentivized to do intrinsically. But if I say I want to teach... I spontaneously do that. So stick to something that's your core competence that you build momentum in and don't try to change something that's not really important to you. Make sure it's really important. Don't just compare yourself to somebody else. Oh, I want to be like them. Envy somebody else. Try to imitate them and be second at being Elvis instead of being first at being you. 
I, I just love that. And, and you speak so much about recognizing our values and how fundamental it is because many people aren't happy and want a change. But it's what you're saying is it's very important to get clear on what 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 do you want for those and, and people say to me a lot of the time I, I don't have a passion I don't know what to do but what's your advice to recognize what our values are and what we want well I've been doing value determinations for 45 years and I've I'd have to say that only one person in 45 years was completely congruent and and clear and truthful most people will tell you what they say they want, but it's not what their life demonstrates. So I don't go by what they say. I go by what they're living. And most people don't realize that their life is demonstrating their values. So if you look very carefully at how they fill their space, what do they fill their space with? Things that are important to them, they keep around them. And things that aren't, they push them away. Your personal and intimate space and your proxemics give you an indication of what's valuable to you. I'm sitting in front of my computer. I'm a foot and a half away. That's my intimate space. I live on that computer all day long. So obviously the computer is important to me because it's helped me fulfill what's meaningful. So how do you fill your space? How do you spend your time? You make time for things that are important to you. You don't have time for things that aren't. What is it that energizes? You get more energy when you're doing something you really love. You do less energy when you don't. What is it that you really spend your money on? Because you, you value it, you buy it. If you don't value it, you don't buy it. What is it that you're disciplined on? What is you that you're really organized in? What is it you think about, visualize, and talk to yourself about, about how you would love your life to be that shows evidence of coming true? What do you converse with other people about most? Uh, what is it that you are inspired by that brings tears to your eyes when you think about it? What's common to the people that inspire you? What is it that you have as persistent, consistent goals that you pursue, that you achieve? And what is it you love learning about that spontaneously just kind of learn, learn and you just keep going back to the internet to go look up and learn about it? If you look at that, it'll tell you and smack you in the eyes, uh, in the face about what exactly is important to you and start there. Start with what you know is truly being demonstrated as important to you and then set structured goals towards that and watch how you will achieve and your confidence to go up and your self-worth will go up and your, your ability to expand will go up. Don't waste your time on low priority things. That self-defeats, depreciates, makes you think that there's something wrong with you, makes you think you're sabotaging, makes you think you got limited beliefs. All that is is just feedback to let you know you're not pursuing what's really important. Thank you. That, that, that's great. So once we clarify our values and what's really important to us, I've got two questions in relation to this, but throughout our life, values aren't always stuck. They change. Yes. Would you agree well, with that? Well, you know, when you're when you're zero to, to 10, you're probably going to want to play a bit. When you're 10 to 20, you're probably mm -hmm. going to want to socialize. When you're 20 to 30, you're probably going to want to find a, you know, a partner and maybe a career, some path. When you're 30 to 40 or 20, you know, 30 to 40, you're probably going to want to, you know, have your own business, your own family. 40 to 50, you're probably going to, you know, uh, jokingly, people have an affair because they go, oh, my God, I didn't know myself. <laughs> And then they, they have a change or life, uh, what do you call a crisis, midlife crisis. And then, you know, each decade there's something different, but there will be common core values that are pretty intrinsic that will probably be showing up throughout that whole course. And uh, finding out what that is, is what the value determination process. On my website, drdmartini.com, there's a free value determination process. It's private, takes 30 minutes of the people's time. It gets a printout. You can monitor it, watch it. I encourage people to do that and do that um, every month or two. If they do that, it will find out that that will automatically open up the doorway of clarity of what they're wanting to do in life. 
That's great. So that's the best place for people to find you, your website. Yeah, the simplest thing to do is just go drdmartini.com. And I will leave a link below in the show notes for people to connect with you as well. Okay, so we, we, I found my values. Then what? What are your tools to discover? I think you talk about our inner genius. What? Then what? Well, I think that, that if you give yourself permission to pursue what's really meaningful to you, your self-worth goes up. And you don't want to waste your time on low-priority things. If you fill your day with high-priority actions and inspire your day, doesn't fill up with low-priority distractions, it don't. So ask yourself, what are the highest priority actions I can do today that will help me fulfill what's most meaningful to me that allows me to serve the greatest number of people in the most efficient, effective way with the resources that I have access to and I'm aware of? If you do that every day, you'll move one step closer towards that objective and narrow it down to little baby action steps. You don't have to have these massive goals when you start. Just start with some action steps that you know will move you one step closer. And if you do that every day, I, I knew I wanted to travel the world and teach when I was 17 years old. I was an illiterate high school dropout, didn't know how to read at the time. So the first thing I did is I went to a dictionary and I started memorizing words in a dictionary to grow vocabulary. Then I started reading an encyclopedia to grow my words and learn to read. And then I kept growing and I started buying high priority books of, of great people that I knew if I was to absorb that, it would help me along the way. I just did in increments. And after a while, I became quite knowledgeable in certain areas. And I ended up growing my vocabulary and learning how to speak effectively and, and on my way. I mean, when I first started to teach, I had a 375-pound Afro-American woman ask me to teach her yoga. <laughs> that was my first class that I ever gave. I was so inspired to have somebody wanting to learn from me. I was, I was willing to teach anything. But then slowly but surely, those, that numbers grew, and it went from one to two to 17, and then it grew from there. And I've been blessed now to speak in 181 countries. So I never stopped on the goal, and I just kept pursuing it. If you keep doing something long enough, everybody else dies out, you end up at the top. <laughs> and, and now you're inspiring millions. Um, once we discover our values and work towards that and set goals, it, does it necessarily have to be career because most people think I'm passionate about this. This is for a career. No, no, no. You know, uh, it was Rose Kennedy from the Kennedy family who's, who, who I actually got a copy of a book that came from the Kennedy family given to me as a gift. And in it was a handwritten note by Rose Kennedy and it was her mission statement. And it said, I dedicate my life to raising a family of world leaders. Oh. What? So you could be dedicated to raising a beautiful family. You could be dedicated to a social cause. You'd be dedicated to fitness. You could be dedicated to a spiritual mission. There's no rules about what it is. It doesn't have to be about business. But whatever it is, your fulfillment will be to the degree that you do something that contributes and serves other people too. It can't be some narcissistic pursuit where you're contemplating your navel somewhere and not accomplishing or doing something that serves people because you're not going to have fulfillment unless you're doing something that's in fair exchange with people. If I ask people what to go to the moment when you've had the most fulfillment in life, I guarantee you people will say when I did something that made a difference in somebody else's life, and they thanked me and I did what I loved and they got a service out of it. There's some fulfillment in that. So find something that's meaningful that contributes. It may be to your kids. And I had this woman who says, well, I don't have a business. How am I going to make a living out of it? And I said, you have a husband, right? She goes, yeah. And does he weigh work and make income? Yeah. And does he pay for some of the things you do? Yes. Then you have a client. You're in business. And that your main client is your husband. As long as you fulfill his needs. 
and, and while you're doing what you're doing with the beautiful children, then you have a very concentrated business with one client satisfying his needs so he can pay all the bills to take, take so you can take care of the kids. And he goes, that's a good way of doing it. I'm in business. I own a company, powerful company. And I even have a very powerful CEO, my husband, working for me. <laughs> that's that's great. Um, it, it, it also, I mean, I love your quote, the, the quality of your life is determined by the quality of questions you ask. Yeah, I'm a firm believer that some people ask their life, you know, how can I afford to do this? How can I, how can I, uh, you know, I, I don't ask that question. I ask, how do I go make an extra million doing that? And I, I learned a long time ago, what is it I would love to do? I'd love to travel the world. How do I get handsomely paid to do it? I figured it out. I now travel over the world, as you know, and get paid to do that. And, I, and, and what I'd love to teach, great. How do I get paid to do it? I'd love to write, great. How do I get paid handsomely to write? I asked that question, I found an answer and I get to do what I love and get paid for it. And then I build momentum and I don't have a Monday morning blue and a Wednesday hump day and a thank God it's Friday kind of mentality because I don't have to go do something over here to make money and then go spend it over here on what I wanna do. Mm -hmm. I, I'm doing what I love to do and I build momentum doing that. And people don't have to have a, a, a Monday morning blues kind of life. They can have a very inspired life if they prioritize their life. You're, you're so inspirational. And when, when you ask those questions, are you asking it to yourself? Some people might pray or ask the universe. How, how who do you ask questions to? Well, I, I, when I talk to the universe, I, I I don't find the universe doing as much as I as I if I basically go in and I talk to myself and say, what am I willing to do for the universe? <laughs> I usually I found that I have control over my perceptions, decisions, and actions in life. I don't have control over uh, you know the world out there. I have control over what I have control over. So I'd rather stick to the things that I have governance over. I can change my perception. I can change my decisions. I can change my actions, but the rest of the stuff I can't control. So I stick to the things I can control. When I do the prayer, I don't do a prayer of, oh, the things aren't going my way. Please universe out there, some anthropomorphic deity out there, some false attribution bias to take care of it for me. I don't find that productive. What I do is I say, thank you for revealing to me the feedback from the world to guide me to my authenticity so I can live by priority and achieve. I look at it that way because really it's your perception of what's out there. Everything that's going on in your life is helping you get what you want if you know how to look through the eyes of wisdom. If you're sitting there going, well, it's not matching my fantasy, then it's time to calm down your fantasy and get real on the action steps to give you what you want to go in life. Mm -hmm. But I found that that's way more productive. I'm not against meditating. I think meditating to, to get centered, to be able to get clear, great. I don't mind saying, you know, a prayer, but I don't like prayers of plead. I like prayers of thanks. Yeah, it's it's, it's a great way to look at it. Um, you just mentioned before when things show up, people could call it signs or some things come into your life. What about what would you what would be your advice to those that say, well, I'm asking for this. I'm I don't have inspiration. Where do I start? I'm not seeing anything show up. Well. Anytime you're expecting a goal to occur that's low on your values and you keep banging your head against the wall and not getting somewhere. See, everybody has a set of priorities, a set of values in their life. When they're living by the highest priorities, the blood glucose and oxygen goes into the forebrain where they're objective and where they're strategic and where they foresight things and where they can see things and they can pre-plan things and not living by hindsight, but foresight. And they're, they're, because of that, the information that's coming in through the senses it gets filtered in the thalamus and it basically heightens the awareness of the things that are really priority to you. 
if a mother's highest value is raising children, she walks in a mall, she's going to see children's items in the mall. She's not going to see business items. She's going to see children's items. She's going to filter her reality uh, with a selected biased attention towards the thing that's valuable to her. So knowing what's really valuable and setting goals that match it, increase the probability of synchronicities and observations of resources that help you achieve it. But if you're setting a goal that's a fantasy, that's not really aligned with your highest values, that you admire in somebody else that's not important to you, but you think it is, but it really isn't, then you end up not having that executive center and the thalamus working on your behalf and you don't see opportunities and you think things are in the way instead of on the way. So prioritize your life. I, I say that over and over again, and people sometimes bang their head against the wall until they finally learn that. But if you're not filling your day with high priority actions that inspire you, it's going to fill up with low priority distractions that don't. If you're not pursuing challenges that inspire you, you're going to keep getting challenges that don't. And so you're here to design that life and not somebody else. Nobody's gonna get up in the morning and dedicate their life to your fulfillment. They're gonna be dedicated to theirs. So you can't let the world on the outside dictate your destiny. You need to let the voice and the vision on the inside determine that. And that comes from living by highest priority to wake up that power of that inner voice and vision. I love that. And go to your website um, <laughs> for those that aren't aware of their values. Um, a big congratulations on your new book. It's fantastic seven secret treasures do you mind sharing a little bit about that what are the seven secret treasures that are just a summary of the book well when i was 18 years old i wanted to master my life i watched a movie uh, by david david carradine called kung fu it's a show mm -hmm. and i and i he had a shaolin master or whatever from china that that taught him and i thought i want to be a master sounded cool so i said what exactly is a mastered life and so i then defined life in seven areas uh, our intellectual pursuit creating ideas that are original, that are innovative, that create and serve people in the world. I want to create a global business. I want to create financial independence. I want to create a global family dynamic. I want to create social influence in the world. I want to create a vital body. I'm 68 and I've got, you know, I've got more energy than most people. And I want to do something that's inspiring. It's not a spiritual religious thing, but more of a something that would be universal to anybody in any spiritual background. And I want to create a movement there. So I, I wrote it all out. And I started asking, what are the highest priority actions to make these things happen? And so the seven secret treasures, the new book, is the highest priority actions that I found to help you empower those seven areas to help you master your life. And they're, and it's based on the values that I'm talking about. So I give practical applications of how to link whatever you want to learn to your highest values so you can excel in learning, to link your jobs and actions to your highest values so you can excel in business to make sure you have a value on wealth building so you end up buying assets, not liabilities, to make sure you communicate and respect the loved ones, to communicate in their values and not try to fix them, and to make sure that you're a leader by living congruently according to your values, to make sure that you live by your highest values where you have governance and you have less autonomic dysregulation syndrome and symptoms, which are creating feedbacks to get you back to being authentic, and to be able to be inspired by your life by living by your highest values, because what's highest on your value is where you're most spontaneously inspired to act, which is my case, teaching. So it's, it's basically how to simply powerful ways to help you master the seven areas of your life. It's called the seven secret treasures, because I think that everybody has a treasure inside and they haven't been opening up the treasure chest and letting out the gold. Mm. Oh, it's fantastic. And again, congratulations. Um, just one more question. Um, 
mind mastery exercises. Sometimes I'm, I'll speak for me, but for other people, our mind just goes crazy and thinks the worst. And, you know, ha we have all this chatter in our head. What's your advice or some tips for mind mastery? Yeah. Well, if you infatuate with somebody and you are conscious of the upsides and unconscious the downsides, your intuition is trying to point out the downsides to level the playing field because otherwise you've got noise. Because when you're highly infatuated, it occupies space and time in your mind, whatever you're infatuated with. We've all been infatuated and couldn't sleep at night. Yeah. If you're resentful, you're conscious of the downsides, unconscious of the upsides, and you have brain noise. And again, you have difficulty sleeping. And so you're, because of that, your intuition is trying to point out the upsides to level the playing field. Your intuition is always trying to reveal whatever you're unconscious of to make you fully conscious. So you can balance out the mind, be more objective, not subjectively biased, not distracted and focused on what's priority. The brain is set up automatically with homeostatic feedback systems to guide us back into the center. But what happens is we're taught moral hypocrisies. We're taught idealisms and fantasies about how we're supposed to be. Paul, Bra Paul Dirac said, it's not that we know so much, we know so much that in so we're taught a whole bunch of things. We're always supposed to be one-sided. People are supposed to be one-sided. They're not. I'm not a nice person. I'm not a mean person. I'm a human being with, if you support my values, I can be nice as a pussycat. You challenge my values, I can be mean as a tiger. Mm -hmm. I'm both. So to have true objectives, realistic expectations, and appreciate the two sides of life and balance out your perception by asking questions that automatically balance whatever you're perceiving. You calm down the noise, you have self-governance, you go into the forebrain, not the hindbrain, you start thinking and strategizing and planning and building momentum and achieving instead of sitting reacting and dramatizing and blaming with false attribution biases and being trapped. It certainly can become quite a cycle and some people do it for all of their lives. Well, they can get trapped. They can get trapped because they want to be right. Whenever we're living in our lower values, our amygdala gets the blood glucose and oxygen. The amygdala wants to avoid pain and seek pleasure. And it wants to seek fantasies and avoid nightmares. In the process of doing it, it sets up unrealistic expectations. It has futility. When you're infatuated with somebody, you're going to want to change you relative to them. When you resent somebody, you're going to want to change them relative to you. Both of them are futile. Nobody needs to be changed. They want to be loved for who they are and who they, not who you're going to make them. And you want to be loved for who you are, not who somebody wants to make you. So by going in there and loving people and balancing the equation, instead of having this judgment, which keeps us empty, we automatically have less noise in the brain and we're more momentum building achievements. So ask questions that balance out the mind and liberate yourself from all the emotional baggage. And I guarantee you, it's simply the questions you ask. As I said, and you said, the quality of your life is based on the quality questions you ask. And quality questions equilibrate the mind and liberate you from all the emotional baggage. As Warren Buffett says, until you can manage your emotions, don't expect to manage money. Robert Greene says, until you can manage emotions, don't expect to be a leader. Gosh, you make it sound so simple. What, would you mind just giving us an example of some of the questions to ask? I know there's so many different scenarios, but what, what sort of questions? Well, let's say that you have somebody that's done something that's it's distracted you that you resent, you dislike, you despise. Oh, I can't believe they did that. Okay, so I asked this question, what specific trait, action, or inaction do I perceive that individual displaying or demonstrating that I disliked most? And write it down in three or four words, not long dissertations, not drama, not 
you know, racket talking, just what specifically are they doing in their actions that you are reacting to and judging? Know that whatever you're judging other people you have inside yourself or you wouldn't be judging it. So the next question is reflectively, introspectively, all right, John, go to a moment where and when you perceive yourself displaying or demonstrating the same or similar specific trait action in action that you disliked in them. Where are you doing it in your life? And at first you're going to say, I don't do that because your amygdala is going to want to be proud and want to protect yourself. But the truth is you don't judge people unless they're reminding you of something you feel ashamed of in the past and they're reminding you of it. That's why you're reacting to them and wanting to avoid them. That's why you resent them. You're only pointing your finger at them and throw your back at you because it's you that you're dealing with. So you ask, where do you do it? And you ask, where was it? When did you do it? Who did you do it to? Who perceived you that way? And where else did you do it? When did you do it? Who did you do it to? And who perceived you that way? And keep doing that until you realize that you have that behavior quantitatively and qualitatively equal to them. Well, that levels the playing field. Instead of being too proud to admit what you see in them inside you, you now have the seer, the seeing, and the seen are the same. There's now a balanced equation. And when you do, you realize the noise is gone, the judgment is gone, the reflection is in, you're now aware, and now you're realizing that they've come into your life to point out what you've been hiding from yourself and judging in yourself and giving you an opportunity to love that part of you. And then you can appreciate them for being a teacher. Then you go to the third step. All right, go to the moment where and when you perceive this individual displaying or demonstrating that particular trait that you disliked. Great, you're there, go into that moment because it's in that moment where the conscious and unconscious split. At that moment, what were the benefits to you when they did it? At first you said, there is no benefits. Look again, there is no event in life, no action in life that doesn't have two sides. And that's why we have the power to change our perceptions. So go to that moment and in that moment, what was the benefit to you? Hmm. Well, when they did that, I realized that I was a bit cocky and they brought me down. They were, they critiqued, critiqued me and they brought me down and humbled me, made me more authentic because I was a bit puffed up. Good. I made me stop and reflect and realize that I wasn't communicating effectively in their values. So I was not respectful and cocky. And that made me stop and learn how to communicate and instead of being self-righteous, thinking they're supposed to live in my values. Great. What's another benefit? Well, they made me more resilient and adaptable. And what's another benefit? It made me realize that they have something on their life that's more important, and I'm expecting them to live in my values. And I, and I stop and I look at the benefits. And when I do, I realize that they're my teacher and they're giving me benefits. And if they hadn't done that, I would have passed that opportunity up. And now I go all the way into the benefits equal the drawbacks until it is neither positive nor negative. It never was. You chose with your subjective bias to make it something that you despise because it was reminding of something you didn't love in yourself. Now they're giving you an opportunity to love that part and to see that everything has two sides and you can actually not, you can be more resilient and adaptable instead of judgmental and empty inside. It makes you more fulfilled when you get to love them and appreciate them for what they're doing for you. Those are three out of 80 questions. Okay. Um, it sort of changes everything and it really offers some sort of freedom, doesn't it? Freedom from the... Yeah, absolutely. Oh, there's, there's there's nothing our mortal body can experience that our mortal soul can't love. That's the way I look at it. Our mortal soul is the state of unconditional love when we actually level the playing field and don't put people on pedestals or pits, but put them in a heart. Now we've got love. And love is fulfillment. Judgment is empty. When you judge somebody, you're too humble or too proud to admit what you see in them is inside you. And those are disowned parts and their emptiness is inside. And they leave you feeling empty. So why, why, uh, why be empty when you can be filled? 
and love helps you fulfill. And it's easy to say love somebody, but it's another thing to mechanically go through the process to assure that you really truly do it where you have tears of gratitude for them and you want to go and give them a thank you. Then you know you don't have baggage. You have the transcendent mind, gratitude, love, inspiration, enthusiasm, certainty, and presence instead of the volatilities of life that most people are trapped in. I love it. I love it. Um, gosh, incredible. I thank you so much for being on Passion Harvest, Dr. John D. Martini. Is there anything else you'd like to share with the Passion Harvest audience that I haven't asked you today? Sure. That, that uh, Just know that the magnificence of who you are is far greater than any fantasies you'll ever impose on yourself. So don't compare yourself to others. Don't put people on pedestals and minimize yourself and live in their shadows and be second at somebody else. Be first at being you. Compare not yourself to others, but compare your daily actions to what you have proven to be your highest value and then refine it. Anybody who's in sports, Thorpe, or any of the great sports people, you'll know that if they, the moment they compare themselves to others, they lost the race. The moment they focused on their outcome and became present with the outcome as if it was now, the more they actually achieved. So give yourself permission to, to shine, not shrink, and to be authentic, not impostered, and to not compare yourself, only compare yourself to others, just compare yourself to your own actions and your own dreams, and live as congruently according to priority as possible, and delegate all the things that devalue you, so you can value, so, so the world can. I feel, I feel like applauding. <laughs> John, that was beautiful. Thank you so much for being on Passion Harvest. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate your time. So thank, thank you, you so me. much. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Okay. Enjoy. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye. Thank you.